From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Dr. Shelton Smith, and this is Making a Difference. We're thankful today that we have the privilege to be here, and I trust that you'll stay with us here for a few minutes as we look together at the Word of God and talk about some of God's good things. It's about to be Christmas. I addressed that yesterday on the broadcast, and today I want to take that just a step further because sometimes people ask questions about why we do certain things, and today I'm going to raise the question, why do we make so much ado about Jesus? And that really is what Christmas is about, making much ado about Jesus. And the question sometimes gets raised, why do we do that? So I'm going to talk to you about that just a little bit today. And uh, in fact, several things from the book of Colossians, if you want to be getting your Bible open there, if you're where you can. If not, I'll read the passages for you. And so you'll be able to keep up with us whether you're at your Bible or not. But we're thankful to the Lord for the privilege every single day to be able to get here together at this microphone, spend some time with you at this time on this station. And I really, really appreciate you joining us as often as you can. Now, we do make a lot of to-do about Jesus here in this country and in many places around the world. There are two major holidays that are celebrated in reference, I mean directly about the Lord Jesus, namely Christmas and Easter. At Christmas, we celebrate his birth. At Easter, we celebrate the resurrection. And there are so many, many people around the world who do celebrate both of those things at those times. We also go to church three times a week if you're in a good church. And I think if you are a mature Christian, you will be fully engaged in a good, solid church where they'll be open Sunday morning, Sunday night, and sometime during the midweek, either Wednesday or Thursday, whatever. And that gives us the opportunity to get together, to hear the Word of God preached, to hear the Word of God taught. And in all of that, every single time, References are made to Jesus. We make much ado in the services of the church about the Lord Jesus. Whenever we get together as a church family, we also sing a lot. And we sing the great songs about the Lord Jesus. In fact, if you have a hymnal like uh, the one I have in front of me here, which is one published by the Sword of the Lord, it's called Heartwarming Hymns. Number 62 in that book is entitled, All That Thrills My Soul. And here's what it says. Who can cheer the heart like Jesus by his presence all divine, true and tender, pure and precious? Oh, how blessed to call him mine. Verse number two says, love of Christ, so freely given, grace of God beyond degree, mercy, higher than the heavens, deeper than the deepest sea. Verse number three says, what a wonderful redemption, never can a mortal know how my sin, though red like crimson, can be whiter than the snow. Verse number four says, every need his hand supplying, every good in him I see, on his strength divine relying, he is all in all to me. Verse number five, by the crystal flowing river with the ransomed I will sing and forever and forever praise and glorify the king. And of course, the chorus on this with all five verses says, all that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me and the fairest of 10,000 in my blessed Lord I see. 
That song is entitled, All That Thrills My Soul. And what is it that it's talking about? It's talking about Jesus. There are many such songs in good hymnals, and maybe the next day or two as I talk about this theme, I'll reference another one or two just to give us the kind of thinking that we ought to have about making ado about Jesus, singing the songs do something for us. They really do enlighten us, and at the same time, they encourage, edify, and strengthen us. Now, we urge people, I mean, when we go to church and at other times, we urge people to embrace the Savior, to trust Him. What are we doing? We're making much ado about Him. That's what happens when we preach the gospel, when we give public invitations in a public service, when we go soul winning, go knocking on doors in neighborhoods and communities, when we run bus routes for the church, we get on radio like this, we're talking about Jesus, our sort of the Lord newspaper, we make much ado about the Savior. So we ask that question, why is it that we make all of the fuss about the Lord Jesus? Well, if you have your Bible open to the book of Colossians, or if you'll just listen as I read some of these verses, I can tell you why we make so much ado about him. Verse number five in chapter one tells us that he is our hope of heaven. Look at verse five where it says, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, and that's tied to verse number four when it talks about our faith in Christ Jesus. So we do have a hope of heaven once we have lived our life to its end. The life of every single person will one day come to an end. We live, and then there comes a point when everybody dies, but when we come to death, we are not done. There is more yet to come. There will be either a place for you in heaven, or else that person will wind up down in the awful, torturous, horrible pit of hell. And literally, folks, to imagine being in hell for a moment ought to really stagger our imagination. It ought to stun us and get us to think in terms of reality about what it means to either be in heaven or in hell. And when we know what we know about this, it ought to excite us. And that is, we do have a hope of heaven, and that hope is wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number five says that he is our hope of heaven. I hope that you'll make plans to go to heaven, and the way you do that, it's not because that you do so well, but it's because you come to the place where you know that you're a sinner, and you recognize you cannot save yourself, and you trust the Lord Jesus. Just like you would trust a bridge if you were crossing a river, you risk your life, put your life in the hands of the men who made that bridge, and you walk across or you drive across that bridge, and it keeps you out of the churning waters down below, and you get across safely because that you put your trust in the bridge. And so it is that you and I cannot save ourselves, but we need to put our trust in the crucified and risen Christ. Now, the book of Colossians goes on to tell us, in fact, verses 5 and 6 address the matter when it says that he also is our access to truth. If you have the truth, then you can act upon it. It is important that we have the truth of God, that we have the eternal truths upon which we can build our life now as well as our life to come. And verse number five talks about the word of the truth of the gospel. The gospel, namely, is the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, the payment he made for us when he purchased our salvation for us. And you need to know the truth about that. 
and the truth of the gospel, that phrase right there in verse number five, the truth of the gospel is not that you're going to just live a good life or that you're going to treat your family right. You're not going to kick your dog. I mean, you're going to pay your bills and so on and so forth. I mean, all of those things are things that you ought to do. Uh, well, you ought to do them rightly. But at the same time, dear friend, let's understand something about this. We cannot save ourselves. And the truth of the matter is, you and I have access to him who is the truth. Verse 6 goes on and talks about knowing the grace of God in truth. We need to know the precise details about all of this. And the Lord has made that knowledge available to us because he is the source of truth. In fact, in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. So why are we making all the to do about Jesus? Well, he is our hope of heaven. He's our access to truth. And when you get down further in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, tell us that he is the means of our redemption. If you want to know how that your sins are going to be forgiven, paid for, that whatever you owe to God is fully taken care of, well, verse 13 and 14 of Colossians 1 says that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So the Lord Jesus has redeemed us. That is, he paid our price. What we owed, he paid. He was able to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And the fact is, you and I are redeemed when we come to trust Christ, when we put our faith in him. He does apply his redemption, and the price of that redemption was the shedding of his blood. When the Lord Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, that made possible the salvation that every single one of us need. So when we talk about being all excited and all stirred up, making much ado about Jesus, yes, we have several reasons, and this passage here that we're looking at in Colossians lays it out. He's our hope of heaven. He is our access to truth. He is the means of our redemption. And verse 16 says, also, it's because he is our creator. Verse 16, chapter 1 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me just simply say right here very, very clearly, Darwin got it wrong. And the disciples of Darwin are wrong. They may make their claim to fame that they have a Ph.D. in this, that, or the other. But whatever the case, the fact is this world did not evolve out of nothingness, but God created it out of nothing. Sometimes, you know, when I've heard evolutionists talk, they will talk about, well, you know, life started because of some one-celled protozoic animal that was in the ooze in a creek somewhere. And I've asked them again and again, you always start with a bunch of stuff. Well, the fact is, creation started with nothing. And whenever we realize that this world was put in place by a creator, that's why it's so well designed. That's why it is so orderly. If you look at every explosion that you've ever seen, I mean, whether it's one little tiny explosion or a major explosion somewhere, explosions do not create order. 
they create disorder. Explosions do not construct, but they destruct. And every single explosion you've ever seen or known or heard about is a matter of destruction. It is not something that is construction. And when you want to build something, you don't blow it up. But instead, explosions destroy. And if you're talking about a Big Bang that got all this universe in place, dear friends, that is not even good common sense. It's nonsense. It absolutely is fiction. It is mythological. It is not scientific. It does not in any shape, form, or fashion meet the muster of truth. Well, how did all of this come about? Well, the verse here simply tells us what the Bible says over and over again, that God created the heavens and the earth. Chapter 1, verse 1 of Genesis. And when the Lord said, let us, he's talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And verse number 16 says here that all things were created by him. Now, We may uh, talk about this some more as we go along here in this chapter and talking about why we make so much ado about Jesus. But today, I just want you to take note of the fact that every single thing, every star in the sky, every planet, I mean, everything that falls within our eyesight, really, I mean, the trees, the, the creeks, the rivers, everything was created and put in place by the Lord himself. And we have much to be excited because of that. Let's look at one more thing here today, and that's in verse 17. And it says, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That simply tells me that he is the eternal God. Now, we get to this tomorrow, and we'll talk some more about both of these matters, the matter of creation and the matter of his eternality. But I want you to know, dear friends, we do make much ado about Jesus, and we have great reason for doing so. And I'm going to take a few days here and just kind of walk through this and nail it down because I think it is so very, very important, and especially as we come up to Christmas time. And in the meantime, do you know how much it means to me when I hear from you? Well, you probably don't, but I do love to hear from you. So write me a note. Let me know that you hear the broadcast. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com, and you can check us out at our website at swordofthelord.com. Dear friends, until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now.